0: Hello and welcome to Top in Tech. My name is Colin Darcy and I lead Global Council's tech, media and telecoms practice. This week we're going to be talking about the ongoing fallout from the Microsoft Activision merger case. This was meant to be the moment when antitrust authorities globally stood up to big tech and stopped their growth by acquisition. This was laced with regret over decisions such as allowing Facebook WhatsApp or Facebook Instagram mergers to go ahead. And it seemed like there had been a big change in how authorities globally were going to deal with this particular proposal. The UK's Competitions and Markets Authority had moved to block the merger, and the US's Federal Trade Commission was only just behind and pushing in the same direction. Yet... After a week in which many things have happened, the situation has seemingly flipped, and rather than reaching the limits of big tech's power, we seem to have reached the limit of competition authorities' power in their attempts to rein in the tech sector. So, lots to get through today, and I'm delighted that Agonma Wankwo is with me. Agonma, a regular on this podcast, she leads our tech policy analysis out of our Washington DC office. So, Agonma, Thank you very much for joining me today. I just want to start with a very simple question. It's been a busy week, as I said. So what's happened?
1: Thanks, Conan. So I want to preface this a bit by saying that the events of this past week, at least here in the US, go back to December of last year, um, where the FTC filed a claim in its in-house administrative court to block Microsoft's purchase of Activision. And as part of this, the FCC made two main arguments. So first, they argued that the deal would enable Microsoft to stifle its competitors by withholding Activision's more popular game titles, such as Call of Duty, from their rivals, uh, such as PlayStation. Second, they argued that the deal could give Microsoft an unfair advantage in this emerging cloud gaming market. But the FTC's in-house court proceedings are not set to begin until early August, and this is noticeably after you know, the July 18 deadline for the Microsoft and Activision um, companies to close the deal. So last month, what we saw was the FTC file a motion for a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction with the U.S. District Court of Northern California in an attempt to disrupt the deal before its July 18 deadline. And in their petition to the court, the agency essentially argued that Microsoft and Activision could close the deal at any time. So, beginning on June 22nd, U.S. federal judge Jacqueline Corley began hearing arguments concerning the FTC's request for a temporary restraining order and an injunction to halt the deal until the outcome of the FTC's in house court proceedings, where at that time the agency would have the opportunity to review the deal in full. But in a major blow for the agency, Judge Corley rejected the FTC's request for a preliminary injunction, and in her ruling, the judge noted that the FTC failed to show that the merger was likely to result in substantial reduction in competition that would harm consumers. And in fact, the judge stated that the evidence actually suggested that consumers would have more access to popular game titles. And in response, the FTC appealed the decision by Judge Corley to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, but the circuit court denied the agency's request for emergency emergency relief to prevent Microsoft and Activision from closing the deal. And this essentially means that the path is cleared for the companies to close the deal everywhere everywhere but the UK. Now in the wake of Judge Corley's ruling, two events happened. First, Microsoft and the Competition Markets Authority in the UK halted their court proceedings and the CMA indicated that there were that they would consider proposals from Microsoft to address their concerns around cloud gaming. And this is a significant turnaround from the CMA and in many ways is quite reflective of this pressure that the regulator has been under since they first announced back in in April of this year that they would block the acquisition. Second, Sony agreed to a deal for Call of Duty with Microsoft to keep the franchise on PlayStation after the acquisition of... um, with. of Activision goes through. And this is quite interesting because there's been quite a tense battle between the companies since Microsoft announced that it would acquire Activision. Uh, Sony had appeared quite reluctant to sign an agreement with Microsoft, but Judge Corley's ruling and subsequent appeal failures have really cleared the path for the deal to to close, limiting Sony's options.
0: I guess the interesting question is, if the Sony-Microsoft licensing deal has covered off that particular concern about the merger. The one remaining one then is around cloud gaming, and that's the one that the Competition and Markets Authority went quite heavy on, as did the European Commission, even though the European Commission passed through the deal with certain remedies. The question is, what does a remedy look like on that side of things if the CMA is to approve it? Some in the media have speculated that this could involve some form of divestment, but I guess... That's something we'll have to see in in, in the coming uh, weeks and months. So to that point, Goma, what is it that comes next? A lot's happened, but what should we look out for in the next steps in the process?
1: Yeah, so on the US side of things, the FTC has not publicly confirmed whether or not they'll drop their in-house court proceedings that are set to begin next month, but I think it's worth noting that the agency typically abandons merger challenges after losing a preliminary injunction in federal court. And this is actually what we saw back in December when the agency opted not to appeal the court's approval of Meta's acquisition of Within, but we should have a clearer picture of the agency's next steps. In a few days. In the UK, uh, as I mentioned earlier, both the CMA and Microsoft agreed to pause their legal battles to figure out how the deal might be modified to address the CMA's concerns around cloud gaming So the CMA, Microsoft, and Activision applied for a two-month pause of the case at the Competition Appeal Tribunal, and the challenge was formally paused by the tribunal on Monday, July 17th, to give the parties uh, more time to resolve the dispute. And coinciding with this, the CMA also issued a notice of extension for its overall investigation into the deal, moving the date for the final order from July 18th to August 29th. And now in regards to micro- what Microsoft and Activision might do, it's very possible that they will not close the deal by the July 18th deadline and will instead continue seeking the final regulatory approval needed for for closing.
0: So just to summarize there, Agomba, we have Microsoft winning in court in the US, but the FTC looking to appeal. We have the CMA agreeing to pause in the UK, but there is going to need to be resolution on cloud gaming. We were expecting that the deal would be wrapped up pretty imminently, and that was the closure deadline that Microsoft and Activision have set. But that's clearly going to slip indeed if they're going to include the UK in closing the deal by a couple of months. So We've got an appeal coming, we've got a potential deal to stop an appeal in the UK, and we have a delay in the actual closure of the deal in a couple of months. But broadly speaking, I think putting that together, it's a slightly complicated picture. It's a positive for Microsoft and Activision, and it's a positive for the deal going ahead, even if there is this this slight delay. So I suppose what follows from that is if this has been a success ultimately for Microsoft and Activision, it, albeit one that was a long and winding road to getting there and it still isn't complete yet. Do you think that future cases are more likely to go through? We have some quite big ones coming up. There's Broadcom, VMware, Adobe Figma. I mean, are these now, is there going to be a sense of momentum behind other large technology mergers?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. I think companies will be encouraged in the sense that if U.S. antitrust regulators continue to lose cases. They're essentially setting legal precedents that make it harder for the government to pursue similar cases, but that's more of a longer-term relief. Um, in the short term, there are upfront costs, and companies have to expend a lot more resources than was the case under previous antitrust regimes. Um, antitrust regulators, under the leadership of you know K- Cantor and Lena Khan don't have to necessarily win cases for the cases to have an impact. So going after large companies sends a message to those companies that their size is not a deterrent and that regulators will go after them. Uh, it makes a major difference if a company is looking to acquire another company And they know that it's a decision that's being closely observed by the government. And I have to add that despite the major um, court losses from both the DOJ and the FTC, there has been a broader chilling effect on merger activity among some of the country's largest companies as executives are expressing concerns about the lengthy and expensive approval process. But to your question of whether this makes future cases more likely to go through, I don't think that there's a direct one-on-one correlation per se. Broadly speaking, there are a lot of moving pieces involved in these cases and why the regulators aren't successful. But what I will say is that... U.S. federal law doesn't really cover the behavior that the DOJ and FTC are now arguing is harmful to competition, which includes things like controlling consumer data to control the market more effectively. Um, Our laws are better poised to take on traditional companies like big oil rather than taking on dynamic big tech companies where it can be a bit more challenging to show harm in the traditional sense where harm is often viewed as higher prices for consumers. Uh, The judges in these cases that the regulators are bringing forth are often saying that there's insufficient evidence to prove that there will be harm to consumers or competition. So this essentially means that with little to no judicial support to date, for their approach to mergers and antitrust more broadly, the agencies are likely to find courts unwilling to break from precedent unless, um, regardless of how many cases are filed. So unless there are fundamental changes to antitrust laws or how the courts view harm, we're likely to continue seeing similar outcomes. But this is why antitrust regulators are taking the approach of litigating to ultimately expand the scope of their enforcement powers. So, by taking on these big cases, the administration is essentially putting pressure on Congress to pass legislation that will revamp antitrust law to meet the times and give U.S. antitrust regulators more resources. But with the current divided Congress and hesitation of Republicans to give Lena more enforcement powers, this is quite unlikely.
0: So in in short, we're saying that merger control is a historic power that antitrust authorities have used for decades now, but like other powers more on the antitrust side of things, they have been shown to be difficult to use, often in an effective manner, in order to constrain the power of digital platforms. and Hence that is why we've seen in Europe, most obviously in the EU with the Digital Markets Act, but with the legislation going through the British Parliament at the moment, we have the Digital Markets Unit, this idea of more nimble ex ante rules, albeit less so on the merger control, but more broadly on digital competition powers in order to get ahead, in order to apply new tools and new mechanisms to constrain the powers of large tech platforms. As you said, though, Agoma, that's very unlikely to come anytime soon in the US. So what does this all mean then for the strategy of Lina Khan, the FTC, and obviously their counterparts in the DOJ? Where, where are they and where do they go next?
1: Yeah, so in many ways, this is the major question, right? So will the FTC under the leadership of Lena Khan shift their approach to mergers? Um, but to be quite honest, I don't see the agency radically changing their antitrust strategy despite this mounting political pressure. Uh, I think we can expect the FTC to continue to bring cases that would expand the scope of their enforcement powers, even if they don't always prevail. And I say this for a couple of reasons. So first, earlier this year. When discussing Meta's acquisition of Within at an event, Khan pretty much confirmed this, saying that the FTC will continue to bring risky cases because the agency is focused on the cost of not bringing such cases, the cost being being left with quote-unquote stale legal doctrine that um, are used to enforce antitrust laws in a new economy. And this isn't a one-off remark. This is sort of the house view of U.S. antitrust regulators who would much rather sue to block deals from closing. Second, the qualm of the agency is not their approach to antitrust. It's things like their lack of resources and funding. So we're more likely to see the agency push for more funding and greater resources than we are to see them take a step back and comprehensively reevaluate and even pivot from their current antitrust strategy. We're already seeing this with Lenacon putting in a budget request for a $160 million increase um, as Congress begins to consider the agency's 2024 budget. This has, of course, drawn the ire of House Republicans who have actually proposed cutting the agency's budget by 25%. Uh, third, despite the mounting pressure faced by Lena Khan, and the FTC, it's clear that a lot of pressure and pushback that the FTC is receiving a split along party lines with Democrats applauding her efforts and Republicans criticizing her for alleged ethical violations, how she runs the agency and her losing trend in, in court. And we saw this most recently last week when Lena Kahn testified before the House Judiciary Committee for an oversight hearing. And during the hearing, there was a lot of partisan bickering with Republicans criticizing Khan and Democrats jumping to her defense. And so as long as Kahn, who is one of Biden's most progressive appointees, has the support of Democrats, we're likely to see her push ahead. And lastly, uh, in 2020, President Biden issued an executive order on promoting competition in the American economy. And a lot of the actions of the agency since have been an effort to act on the initiatives laid out in the executive order. President Biden called for the for the rigorous enforcement of antitrust laws to meet the challenges that are posed by new industries and new technologies. So at the end of the day, broadly speaking, the agency is executing the wishes of, of the president. And President Biden has made it plain that he wants to crack down on big tech and Khan is one of the leading people in that effort. And he appointed Tim Wu, who advocated to bring up Facebook to the um, White House uh, Economic Council, who has since has since left and he named Jonathan Cantor to lead the Justice Department's antitrust division and Cantor has brought um, a wide reaching case against Google early this year over allegations of monopolizing advertising revenue. So I say all of this to say that the FTC and and antitrust regulators under the Biden administration are not going to slow down.
0: I get the tactic of Lena Kahn and the FTC under her command of being prepared to lose cases. But I wonder if that strategy of being prepared to lose cases only actually works if you actually win some as well. And I think Khan is going to very desperately need some victory soon. And I take your point about resourcing and how that shapes the decisions. I think at some point to keep momentum you can't just keep losing these merger control cases you have to have to shift the momentum in the other way. But putting that to one side and moving zooming out a little bit from the US situation more broadly how do you now evaluate the global effort to stop big tech using acquisitions to entrench their dominance in certain markets?
1: Yes, it's it seems clear that Despite efforts at global coordination, the antitrust regulators in the European Commission, the CMA, the FTC, and the DOJ are, are taking different approaches. So if you take a step back, on both sides of the Atlantic, regulators are taking expansive approaches to merger control, really scrutinizing deals they previously would have probably approved. And we're now seeing them ask questions such as whether deals will stifle nascent competition But differences in approaches are emerging. So in the U.S., the DOJ and the FTC are increasingly reluctant to negotiate settlements with companies. Lena Kahn and Jonathan Cantor would prefer to sue to stop what they view as anti-competitive mergers. Um, I think it was last year where Lena Kahn said that the pattern of companies coming to the FTC with deals and expecting agency staff to spend months working to fix them through divestiture and other avenues will be limited on on her watch. Um, And it seems that the CMA is taking on a similar approach, um, or at least would like to. This is in contrast with the approach that we're seeing more frequently um, in the EU, which seems to have grown more receptive to behavioral remedies. And I think the bottom line here is that while antitrust regulators across jurisdictions will continue to coordinate the reviews, That does not necessarily mean that they will yield similar outcomes, and the Microsoft Activision case is an excellent example of that. It's probably a bit frustrating for the FTC, which has been updating their merger guidelines to be less lenient and has an approach to mergers that favors litigation to be met with remedies from the EU instead. Um, and in some ways, U.S. antitrust regulators are reliant on other jurisdictions to prevent deals because the agencies simply don't have the same powers, resources, and authorities. Um, the EU has expanded the scope and enforcement of its antitrust laws, including through the Digital Markets Act and the Digital Services Act, to ultimately meet the demands of, of the digital economy. And the FTC and DOJ don't have the similar supportive underlying mechanisms
0: i guess my view would be that competition antitrust authorities whatever you want to call them have successfully put sand in the wheels of acquisitions by large technology platforms i think if you are heading up one of those companies now you will know that you are going to see extensive scrutiny in brussels in london in Washington, D.C., and indeed, uh, perhaps other parts of the world. So you know that's going to happen. So you have to bake in perhaps a longer merger approval timeframe and higher costs through legal fees and so on and so forth than perhaps you would have want perhaps anticipated maybe five to 10 years ago. But I don't think it's been perhaps the sea change that some advocates have wanted to see. And I think that This is a good demonstration of perhaps the limits. And you talked to them very eloquently about the limits in the US, but I think it also applies a little bit in the UK and Brussels as well, where although they have much stronger enforcement powers to take decisions than perhaps the FTC does, they still are going to get contested legally through appeals. And they are also subject to political and media pressure, something which Microsoft has pushed very heavily in the UK and was no doubt a factor which influenced the CMA's thinking as they decided to pause their appeal process with Microsoft over the past week. So let's see how it plays out, Agoma but just thank you very much for taking us through that today. And just if anyone's on the line who's interested in the competition and antitrust and merger control considerations in digital markets over the next few years, uh, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find Agoma's details, uh, my details, and the details of the rest of the Global Council team at www.global-council.com or in the podcast notes. So thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.